Hello and welcome back to The Good, The Bad and The Backlog, a podcast where each week we run through a game on our backlog and talk about it in each episode. And today I'm Kieran and I am joined today by none other than the man himself, Sebastian von Rosenberg of Dalmaska. Tell me, should we listen to Ondor's Lies? No, don't listen to Ondor's Lies. I'm the guy from Dalmaska. You're the guy from Damascus. That sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a song from the seventies. <laughs> Have you heard? Here's the guy <laughs> from Damascus <laughs> coming down to steal your women. Digga 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 digga. He killed the queen, <laughs> or did he? <laughs> I don't know, but he put his finger in her. <laughs> hey, that's that's not official. <laughs> he put his unofficial finger in her. <laughs> he put his von Rassenberg inside her. I played it like a finger puppet all through the night. Digga 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 do. Basha von Rosenberg and Hirosaki Sakaguchi. Directed by Hiroyuki Sakaguchi. Well, you know, we've, we've kind of given away what game we're playing, but before that, we should talk about how, how our week has been. So how was your week? Oh, all right, let's see. Get, get um, to it. Also, I'm not the guy from Damascus. I'm Adam, by the way. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you didn't pick up on that. My week... I have smashed myself working out at home and my whole body is aching and I've got this pain shooting up the back of my neck into my skull, but it's a good kind of pain. You sure about that? I don't know. Cause it's making me kind of like half conscious, which is also kind of funny cause it's taken away like my inhibitions. So my mouth is just rambling and I'm probably going to say some really fucked up shit later, which is probably going to be hopefully funny. Hopefully. We'll see. Yeah. Well, if not, I'll edit it out. Oh, good. Take out all the, the offensive jokes because I'm... We can't have anything like that. Yeah, push me in the direction of something offensive and I'll make a thousand jokes about it and then regret it later. <laughs> this is a PG-13 uh, podcast. We can't have anything offensive. More asbestos. More asbestos. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. See, everything's like scrambled eggs in my brain right now. Well, I mean, asbestos isn't great, so... Yeah. It, it could be offensive. Know, it's tastes like shit when it's on your scrambled eggs yeah and i just hate when it gets into your lungs and gives you cancer it's the worst yeah i prefer black pepper and jalapenos yeah nothing like some grated asbestos on your chips yeah anyway how was your week it's been eventful man i have moved down to falmouth from where i was in bristol and uh just this morning i've i've gone for a run and i went for a run into the sea i am run back it was great it was just like super refreshing. How did you run on the sea? Well, I didn't run on the sea, man. I I I ran to the sea, <laughs> and then I and then I put my Jesus sea man, fuck's sake. Then I put my Jesus clothes on <laughs> and I walked on the water. Actually, I, I ran on the water because it's better cardio. That's what Jesus does. Would do. It basically look like snowshoes, but like little surfboards. Uh, no, it, it's it's like um, Birkenstocks. Ah. I don't know what a Birkenstock is, but it sounds like something a lesbian would wear. Yep. It's the lesbian sandals. Yep. <laughs> I think I've seen, like, I've heard that reference in The Simpsons where it's like For sure. a lesbian thing. It's associated with lesbians, but admittedly, they look pretty comfortable. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'm going to have to Google this Birkenstock thing so I can see what it looks like. Get in a live, a live reaction on the episode, folks. Oh, shit. They're the grandpa sandals. Grandpa sandals, but also yeah, probably damn comfortable. It's like Crocs. They were... They were a piss take and everyone hated them. 
but now people seem to love them. And amongst the climbing fraternity, uh, Crocs are super popular. That is so weird. It is weird. I don't have a pair. I'm, I must admit, but I'm not. Well, I'm not against totally getting them. I guess I like to just go bare feet. Yeah, no, these Birkenstocks. They look like what hippies would wear and shit. Like for sure, who hang out at hippie things and hug trees and stuff. Yeah, and they wear tie dye. Yeah, yeah, they're the worst. But also, they look pretty comfortable. And if I had a pair, I would wear them probably. I wouldn't wear anything because it that like shows off my toes because I have freaky finger toes and I'm not all I'm not about like, showing them off. Fair enough. I I don't yeah. really I don't really care about my feet. They're, they're, I care. They're right. They they do the job. I can write with my with my toes because no they shit. look like fingers. Man, that's yeah. talent. I can hold a pencil. Wow, that's I mean, impressive. It looks like a two year old writing their name, but I can still write. <laughs> well, there's a talent. So you know. If you're ever in a yeah. pickle and you can't you can't use a pen with your hands for some reason. That's why no one can forge my signatures because I do my signature with my toes. So every time I need to sign for a package or I need to sign <laughs> something at the bank, I just have to take my shoe off and I like grab it with my foot and I just like write it. Yeah. My signature. The delivery man's just like, what the fuck am I seeing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well anyway, that's enough about feet. <laughs> for and my finger toes can go other places too. <laughs> They, I don't want to know where they want to go, honestly. <laughs> Finger painting. <laughs> but anyway, away from away from our trials and tribulations of the week and feet. What have we been playing this week? We have been playing Final Fantasy Twelve, The Zodiac Age, or just Final Fantasy Twelve. Well, it's important that we say it's the Zodiac Age because there are significant differences from the there original are, on PS2. Which, which we will talk about. Yeah. Um, so, you might have heard of Final Fantasy. It's a little franchise that's been going for <laughs> just a little while. Uh, this one, as the others are, is a role-playing video game developed by Square Enix, originally for the PlayStation 2. And the version we're playing is a remaster that was made, um, was it like 2016, maybe? I'm not entirely I think sure. It's 17. Okay, yeah. A few years ago. <laughs> and it's a remaster that's more based on the Japanese version of the game, which was the Zodiac job system that had the Zodiac job system in it. And we'll talk about that later. And some cool other features. And um, originally, the game was released in 2006, and that is when I originally played it. Uh, and I played it a few, I think I played it last year, but Adam, you have been playing through it gradually this these past few weeks uh sort of <laughs> sort of well i i originally played it as well back in 2006 ish mm-hmm. yeah um but i never finished it i got to a certain point in the game and then i just stopped um and then i when this game came out i think i bought it maybe 2 years ago 2018 and then i played it up to a certain point and then stopped right and then um this week I know. Actually, I think I tried again a couple of months ago. I started from the beginning again, and then I got I, again to a certain point and stopped, and then um, picked it up again last week. And then I've completed it as of today. I've just finished it and seen the credits. Nice. So it's super yes. fresh in your mind. 
yeah so for, for this uh... for, for this episode I'm, it's it's going to be more more on you to recall the um important details because of because it's been like a year since i played it but i have watched okay. the six hour cinematic video on youtube and i've read a tiny bit of the manga which admittedly was a bit shit and Uh-oh. i watched a few videos of just like some uh retrospectives that sort of thing just to get a kind of catch up and i also loaded up my original ps2 save um last week uh just to kind of see what the differences were how my playtime was and uh, my playtime was about 115 hours so um it's quite impressive it's it's easy to say that this is a incredibly big game and you could probably spend 200 hours on it certainly on the original this updated version has um turbo speed so you can speed up the grinding and stuff which takes so much time off yeah um i clocked mine at 100 hours almost to the dot all right nice i've done everything except for um defeating the big super boss yasmat and then i haven't done any of the rare hunts which is like a super super side thing where like it's so easily missable that most people don't even know that it's there but there's like all these other rare enemies that you can hunt down for something completely different like you don't go to the tavern and find a request on the board it's just like these other banger dudes yeah you've um, got like the clan the hunting clan which is where you face the big yeah. the big game and then you've got the rare monsters yeah. which just sometimes you have to fulfill certain conditions certain weather conditions or uh, other little objectives you've got to do of what to, uh, to make them appear but some of them have such That's a it. slim chance and uh in the original this was an absolute pain in the ass just because of the the time it took yeah those rare ones i haven't done those so i think that's i think i got all of them i would say then the zodiac age would probably take about a maximum of 130 hours to get everything done if you want to be a completionist so yeah i haven't those are the only things i haven't done and i probably will at some point go back to it to try and clear up as many trophies as i can but there's one trophy in particular that i don't think i'm going to be able to get so there's no way i'm going to get this platinum okay do you want to say which one that is it's called the Mistwalker trophy, oh, right. and it's a, I think it's for getting all the quote-unquote convergences. So um, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth in the battle system when we go into that, but it, it, this game's version of a limit break is called a quickening, and you can sort of chain these together. And if you chain together certain levels of them, it results in the final attack called a convergence. And I think there's like 10 or more different um, types that you can get and it's so hard to chain them yeah that one although there was a lot of luck involved i did manage to get it kind of naturally through the story and i had like tons of other stuff trophies and stuff left to get before um or like after i'd got that one so um yeah i'm quite surprised oh i've like actively tried to get certain combinations and i just cannot do it like because uh we'll go into more detail about it later (laughs) of the reasons why it's so hard don't want to jump into this like hard part straight away when we haven't really touched on the yeah i guess we should talk about the um like gameplay mechanics and how it kind of differs from a lot of the other games because um this this game was the basically the first one first single player final fantasy released after final fantasy 10 which was much more of a traditional final fantasy game in the battle system and storyline um and like uh yep many other features design etc this game definitely had to feel more of like a mmo uh in my opinion there's a little history to this so um 
internally in Square at the time, this is before the merger with with Enix, um, there were some disagreements with the, the senior staff about relying so, too much on the Final Fantasy brand name for getting their, you know, financials or like, you know, making a profit. So there's a lot of like internal politics that were going on. And then what happened was Final Fantasy X had to be delayed. So Square, for the first time since um, becoming like a stock market company or whatever you want to call it, um, were in the red because they had to delay Final Fantasy X so they couldn't rely on those profits. So their stock fell. And then because of that, it led to a bunch of senior managers basically taking um, assets from Final Fantasy XI and reworking that to create um, the next mainline series which would be Final Fantasy XII. So Final Fantasy XII is basically a reworking of the engine from Final Fantasy XI, which is an MMO, and then reworking that into a single-player experience. Yeah, and it it shows. And um, there's a really good video on the kind of history and retrospective of Final Fantasy XII by Resident Arc. Which, um, ex- oh, that's the one I watched today. <laughs> yeah, he, he does a lot of good ones, uh, and he kind of explains some of the history in it nice streamlined format so you can get the picture yes. better than we can probably describe it and um true yeah i mean like the concluding thoughts about the whole development was that considering the trouble that it had it was very impressive what they managed to produce because i think at one point they even lost the director is that right like the original designer of the game or something uh was like too stressed to continue i think it was hiroyuki sakaguchi <laughs> he was like the main final fantasy dude he was attached to this in the beginning um and then they had another dude that was attached to it as well so they were like both attached to it um and then the other dude who his history i believe was the final fantasy tactics game and vagrant story i'm pretty sure unless that's one of the people that replaced him anyway so those were the two originals then hiroyuki sakaguchi ended up leaving square enix and then forming mistwalker studios who later went on to develop uh lost odyssey um which is a very very good rpg on the xbox 360 and then the dude who was remaining, he was working on this for about half the time it was in development. And then he ended up leaving because the whole thing was stressing him out so much that I think it was like he said some medical issues or his health uh, was deteriorating. So he had to quit the project. And then they replaced him with two other people who like co-directed the game. Yeah. So in the Resident Arc video, he kind of points out that like you might find that the story or the writing goes a little bit astray, maybe like halfway through the game, and that might be an indication of when um, Sakaguchi had to leave. Yeah. So I guess, like, gameplay-wise and battle system and stuff, this has got a lot of different features to many other games. And, in fact, in this version, you you can either put it on um, active time battle or wait system, which is interesting. Uh, I never tried the active one. This is essentially like... Um, what? Wait, hang on a second. You never tried the active one? Oh, no. No, no. you're right. I, I definitely did. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it's like, wait a second. How the hell did you manage to do that? Because <laughs> that would like drive me crazy. And that would literally... Especially if you had it on turbo, you'd have to stop like every half a second to click attack. Yeah. See, I didn't even know that there was a wait option. Um, I just went with the active option. But even when I found out that there was a wait option, there was no way I was going to use it because it would just be too manual and one of my complaints for this is that um it takes away control from the player in a lot of different aspects and that's what i don't like about it 
but um, the other option of having the weight control where you're forced to make too many manual choices um, with this kind of system would be a, a fucking nightmare. <laughs> so there's no way I was going to do that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since I've played. <laughs> My memory's fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Um, and I guess the biggest feature of the combat system is the gambit system, which uh, it's going to be a pain in the ass to describe this. Uh, it's kind of like you can assign um, moves and abilities to your character in order of uh, priority. So when I played this the very first time, I hated it um, as a kid. And um, now that I'm playing it again as adult, after I've worked in an office job where I've needed to use Microsoft Excel, it's a lot like <laughs> it's a lot like um, writing a formula for an Excel spreadsheet, where it's like uh, it gives you the choice, like they're very basic commands. So it's like if your enemy is a flying monster, then use this ability. So um, or if it's like if ally HP is below 20%, then cast Cura or something like that. Yeah. So you have like all these, um, I think there's 20 slots maximum that you can use. So the, um, the top one is the highest priority. The bottom one is the lowest priority. So you wouldn't put an attack enemy in the highest priority because then it would force that character to uh, attack the nearest enemy or whatever selection that you've picked over all the other ones because... um. The other ones might be situational things like spells. So if you want to cure, like cast cure to heal yourself from damage, you want those ones on the top. So um, if your HP drops below 20%, your character will cast cure. Um, and then further down, it's like whatever, you know, if you get poisoned, then you use an antidote. If you get a uh, stoner on you, stoner. <laughs> <laughs> you get a stoner on then you. you. Use, yeah, then you use the item to... Um, you know get rid of petrification or whatever and then at the bottom you would have your attack command so um your character will default to auto attacking if the the other um situational gambits aren't met but if they are met later in the battle then you would immediately stop attacking to cast the spell so yeah. i yeah. think it is a very it could be a very very tactical game and if you like menus and pausing combat system to change gambits like you, you'll be doing this a lot during some boss battles which have different phases and you might have to switch out gear switch out gambits that sort of thing um you yeah you, you'll enjoy it it does get a little bit frustrating doing that at times but when you're just kind of roaming around some of the open worlds where there's just like little little creatures you often don't have to really like customize your gambits specifically to each monster so it's not that bad yeah, most of the time, like when you're just roaming around in environments, you automatically attack and then you can kill whatever enemy there is in a um, like, handful of hits anyway, so they're not really much of a threat. Yeah, and with the Gambit system, am I right in saying that to unlock more um, slots, you unlock them through the license board? Yes, so um, everyone starts off, I think it's with three or possibly less, and then um, this game's version of a level up system is, well, initially all characters gain XP and level up from level one to ma a maximum level 99, like most of the other games. Um, but this game's quote unquote, like sphere grid or, you know, stat manipulation mechanic, I guess you could call it, um, is called the license board. So in the original game, everyone had access to the same license board. So 
one of the criticisms with the original games was that all the characters wound up being exactly the same because they all had access to all of the abilities. Um, whereas something like Final Fantasy X, everyone was on a sphere grid with their own set paths. So they would follow down um, a path of a more traditional class in a Final Fantasy game, like a Black Mage or something like that. So they addressed that in the Zodiac Age. Uh, well, initially they, they addressed that in the international version, which was re-released after um, Final Fantasy XII, but only in Japan, where they added in classes, but you could only select one. And then in the Zodiac Age remaster, you can select two classes per character. So you can have like a character who is a black mage, and then they can pick a secondary job, um, which can fill in some of their weaknesses, like a monk, for example, is the most popular one. So... Um, Whereas a black mage would have very low health, a monk has very high health. So you end up with a very non-squishy black mage, which is quite nice. But yeah, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in order to um, for your characters to have access to certain spells or to equip certain equipments, they require licenses. So the license board, you have to pay for each license with LP points, which is... Well, LP, which is license points, which you earn from battle, which is like, um, so each battle, every time you kill an enemy, you earn XP and LP. So it's kind of like in past games where you would do like, you get like AP or something like that to learn an ability of uh, something that's equipped to you or whatever. Um, so you'd go through slot by slot and then you would earn the license for each of these uh, pieces of equipment or each of these spells. But you would need to individually go out and either buy these spells or buy the pieces of equipment before your character could actually use them, even if they had the license. So um, just because you've bought Thunder, Fire, and Blizzard as a black mage, you can't cast those spells until you've found the right shop that sells Thunder, Fire, and Blizzard, which I found extremely frustrating and is one of my biggest gripes in this entire game yeah but i don't know if i should go into that just yet <laughs> yeah i do have an issue with that as well and um it's the same with some gambits which you can't or you have to buy the gambits at some point and uh, yeah that just seems like a bit of a flawed system to me uh, it seems like they kind of should be available <laughs> right from the start uh, yeah it's it's completely opposite to every other final fantasy game where if you are a certain class and you've reached a certain level then you just inherently learn these spells and then you can use them immediately i absolutely hate in this game that you have to go out and find the spells themselves because some of them especially the most strongest ones are hidden in places in dungeons where if you're not following a guide you would have no idea where it is or how to get it and in some of these are even in treasure chests where there is a very low percentage that it will even spawn on the map. So it's so easily missable without using a guide. And I absolutely hate that so much about this. Yeah, it's, it's bullshit. And in the original, there was also this uh, like super weapon called the Zodiac Spear, which yeah. you could only get if you managed to avoid certain chests throughout the game. And there's mm -hmm. no way of knowing if you don't look at guide and you don't know prior that these would do anything so you know as as a rpg player you're just going to open up all the chests you can <laughs> but if you do that you're going to lose access to one of the best weapons in the game so they did change that yeah. in this one fortunately but i i did manage to get it in the original though i actually got it in zodiac age as well but it took me about two or three hours of 
endlessly walking in and out of one one particular zone to have it spawn in a treasure chest. So one of my other biggest frustrations with this game is um, the the RNG manipulation. So RNG stands for random number generation, which basically just means your odds of um, a certain treasure appearing in a certain chest is like a certain percentage. So say, for example, there's a chest that will appear in the corner of this room um, and it has a 5% chance of being a really good uh, accessory like a ribbon or something, which is like the staple best accessory you can get in a Final Fantasy game because it stops all status ailments. Um, but it has a 95% 95% chance of being uh, a piece of junk. So you have only a 5% chance out of each time you open that of it being something useful. But add on to that, that there's only a 1% chance that the chest will even spawn in this room if you walk out and come back in. Then you have you end up like walking in and out of this room over and over and over again until eventually you walk in, the chest is there, you go to open it and it's a piece of junk and you have to keep doing this until you can finally get the ribbon, which takes hours on end. It's so frustrating and they utilize this whole thing so many times in this game and it absolutely pisses me off. Yeah, and the RNG isn't just associated with getting items from uh, enemies or anything. It's also um, with like the rare hunts. So this game kind of relies a lot on RNG and it is a bit tiring at times. And uh, I can kind of get that in certain areas, there's this one level in the game called the Sorobi Steps where almost every one of the treasure chests uh, like has something useful in it. But the chances of you opening one of those chests and getting a useful item is so rare that apparently this is just something I read on the internet that... The idea was that walking through this area is kind of like winning the lottery. So if you open one of the chests, you might get something really good really early. And, you know, that's a a chance to win. But of course, as gamers, as soon as we find out that there is good shit in all these chests, we automatically want to grind to try and get what we can out of the chest. And then I ended up spending five plus hours trying to get specific weapons from these chests. Actually, probably longer than that. I think I spent about 10 hours alone in Sorobi Steps, walking in and out, opening chests, trying to get specific items so I could get my guy strong enough to do some of the harder hunts earlier on. Mm, yeah, I Ugh. I might have done that when I played originally, but this time I just couldn't be bothered. So uh, I, if I didn't get oh, it first time, that way. unless it was like a, a, a magical technique that you kind of needed for a fight or something. Oh, yeah. If it was weapons, I just wouldn't bother. Because I just thought there's probably something better out there anyway. I don't really care. There is one spell and one technique in that area too, which are rare spawns. Yeah, I, is, I and that's the only place you can get them. Yeah, I I do remember doing that in the Sorobi step. That's for sure. Mm. But I tried to, to tried to keep it to a minimal amount. Like I did not want to waste ten hours doing that. I really, really wish that I got this game on Switch because then I probably would have loved the grinding a bit more because mm. then I can kind of like play it handheld and then yeah. watch TV at the same time. It's true, yeah. So like the other day when I was doing all the grinding, I had like I was playing this on my TV and I had my laptop set up just playing YouTube videos and stuff and like hours and hours and hours passed and then I realized, fuck, I only have like two more days before I need to finish the storyline and I'm probably about 10 hours away from the final boss. So I should stop grinding for gear and maybe get a move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm surprised you yeah. I'm surprised you don't have it on the Switch. Oh, so what happened was PlayStation 4 released theirs before the Switch and the Xbox One version. So right. I'd gotten it before they even announced the Switch version. Although I almost bought it because when the, when the uh, 
when the PlayStation 4 version was out, you didn't have the ability to change licenses. So once you had picked which jobs you wanted for each character, you were locked into that for the entire game. And then when the Switch version and the Xbox One version came out, it gave you the opportunity in-game to um, go talk to your Moogle friend in the clan called Mont Blanc, and then he would allow you to wipe out your license board and then reselect new classes so you can switch things up if you've made a really bad decision. Uh, um, I would have absolutely loved that because my yeah. job choices were not particularly smart for my party. Yeah. And um, going through the whole game with that, it was just a little bit... I suppose it was difficult <sighs> at times because it just meant some things were really goddamn hard because of my stupid choices. <laughs> yeah, I agonized for ages when i'd played this a few months back over or a couple of years whenever the last time i played it was before this year agonized for ages and ages and ages and made tons of notes on my phone trying to weigh up the different um choices for each character like what is the best combination what is the best person for each job how fast their animations are for certain weapons which leads them to be better in certain roles that use certain weapons blah blah blah, blah. i spent ages and ages and ages researching that to the point where when it came time to actually choose my classes, I think I delayed <laughs> delayed my choice for a lot longer than I should have. <laughs> I did as well. Um, yeah, I was like, I'm just going to keep playing through this game and not make a choice here because I don't know if I'm ready to make this kind of commitment. So yeah. maybe I'm just a commitment phobe. <laughs> no, I was exactly the same. And I remember just browsing yeah. Reddit and like um, the Steam forums, looking at other people's choices and their reasons why. I'm just thinking, oh, that's yeah. a good one. I'll note that down. And uh, I, yeah. one, one other interesting way of doing it was actually keeping it accurate to how the characters are portrayed like you've got fran who probably would look out of place without bow and balthier balthier who wouldn't suit like a sword he's clearly a gunman <laughs> that sort of purpose yeah. yeah keeping them to how they're portrayed in the cinematics and stuff okay well how about we actually introduce who the characters are and what the setup is because i think we kind of like left that a bit too long <laughs> i guess you're right so there are six yeah. playable characters in the game and the main one is Van, who's an orphan who's um lives in Rubenastra. Um and he has a ambition to become a sky pirate. Uh there's also mm-hmm. the Princess Ash. Uh she's the princess of Don Masca, um who at the well at the start of the game you think is dead. But it turns out she's not. Da 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 uh then you got Bash or Bosch, however you want to pronounce it. Bosch. Bosch von Ronsenberg, <laughs> a disgraced knight uh, of Damascus who was charged uh, for treason for sl- supposedly slaying the king. Um, Balthier is a sky pirate uh, who speaks in a fancy British accent and he uh, has his little airship, the Stral. And then his partner, um, Chewbacca, um, <laughs> Fran she is a Viera which is like a humanoid rabbit weirdo from Iceland mm-hmm. um, and then uh, who's the last oh Pe- Pe- Penelo she's um, a child friend of Van who kind of is a, yeah, just a friend with him in Rabanasta yeah so the whole the whole vague setup is that um, at Dalmasca is the the country in which this whole story is set it is caught in between and it's kind of like this neutral territory caught in between two other warring factions that are countries on the other each side of it so there's this whole like political thing going on 
I found it incredibly difficult to follow way more than like a Game of Thrones episode or something like that. I know what's going on in Game of Thrones. This one, even after watching like an explanation of what happened, I cannot remember a single thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it is a little bit tricky. going on. And it's funny yeah. that both times I played it back in 2006, 7, 8, whatever it was, and uh, a few years ago, I kind of really enjoyed the story. Um but I think that might have been because I wasn't really focusing on it. I was I was just enjoying yeah. the gameplay, the story, the uh, sorry, the side quests, and I guess the, um, the fighting and that sort of thing. Whereas when I watched the full six hour cinematics, I know what you mean. The story, even then, when you watch it with nothing but the story, it is yeah. quite kind of vague, hard to follow. And um, although I enjoyed it and I think I understood the majority, there are lots of words and names that are picked up and you kind of don't really follow too well i mean it isn't like yeah. final fantasy 13 bad where you need to like fully revise and look at the data log to understand what a lucia or a falsy is and all these bollocks yeah but there is like an edge of that um and it's probably not one of the strongest stories in the final fantasy world i would say it's actually one of the weakest well, well when you say the weakest do you mean by the way that it's confusing or or just like the fact that even if you understand even let's say you understood everything you just don't yeah. think it's a good story full stop yeah all of the above so <laughs> i think that um my main problem with it is that um it has the potential to be an intriguing story but it just feels like it doesn't deliver to the player in um a coherent way enough for me to understand it and it's, it feels really, really small in scope. Much, much, much smaller than a lot of the previous Final Fantasies that we've experienced before. So if you think back to like all the PlayStation 1 and 2 Final Fantasies that aren't 12, you have like these worlds, like the entire world that you, you explore and have a journey on and you learn about every aspect of this world and then it's so vast in scope that you you know, find yourself taking down a god or a godly figure or some huge threat to the planet. Whereas in this one, it's just a political war between countries and you're in one of the smallest countries in between these two massive titans of countries that you don't ever get to set foot in. So, and as like from a scope point of view, it seems a lot smaller and it seems like the stakes are also a lot smaller. So like, for me personally, I don't give a shit if Dalmasker is invaded and then conquered. I mean, what does Dalmasker mean to me? Nothing. But for previous Final Fantasy games, I care if the entire planet is destroyed because there are characters on that planet that I care about and I don't want them to die. Um, this one, I don't feel attached to any of the characters in particular because I don't feel like they have a chance to grow and they don't really interact with each other enough to have any personal development between themselves in the story. Yeah, it's a fair comment because like, yeah. it's it's true. Like when I think of Final Fantasy X, for instance, just the one before this, yeah. you have um, you start off with like a journey to get somewhere, much like this. But then there's often like huge twists, huge revelations, and some massive um, impacting events that can like be emotional, evocative, and yeah, yes. very interesting. This game does seem like it's just one big journey to get somewhere, to get a stone, to uh, kind of stop a war or something. But 
like I know what you mean about saying, well, why should I care about Princess Asha Dalmasca? Like, uh, is it really that bad that Nabradia wants to rule over blah blah blah? You don't really know, and you don't know anything about Rosaria as well. That's like the other kingdom, yeah. which is fighting Nabradia or fighting for Damascus, and you, I don't think you ever see any of them. I could be wrong about that. I don't think so either. I mean, I literally just spent 100 hours in this game, and I can't remember that side of the equation whatsoever. <laughs> like, all I remember is the Empire in Damascus, and that's literally it. Yeah, but you're right. It's like the scope, it seems smaller and uh, less less big. Less like, It doesn't matter less so much. Heart. Less heart. It's true, because like yeah. Final Fantasy IX, literally... The worlds collide and everyone dies. Um, oh, but love nine. Love nine is fantastic. I love eight, nine, and ten. But twelve, the story is a little bit weaker. Um, and yet, even though I say that, I still really like it, and I still like the characters, even though there isn't so much development. Uh, I think it's more. <laughs> is it fair to say it's more mature or just more serious? Um, it is more bland. <laughs> Look, it's harder to follow, and the themes, I suppose, like of like the whole political atmosphere, seems a lot more mature. But I would actually argue that it's not more mature than ten, nine, eight, or seven. Like those cover a much broader span of mature. I, w- I mean, I, I take take seven out of it because seven is just so childish. Is it though? I mean, so there oh, are some dark themes, but the writing, the the childish nature of the whole thing, nah, it's not. Maybe this like, is... I kind of disagree with you. Like, right, I'm fine. not the biggest fan of Seven, but um, I would say stuff like the slaughter of Nibelheim and um, maybe it's just the way it's portrayed on the PS1 makes it seem kind of childish. Yeah. There are definitely some dark events. Yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. And that's my biggest issue with going back to Final Fantasy Seven is that it looks so po- polygonal and yeah, I find it really difficult. Blocky. Yeah, I I could never connect with that game. But that's a whole other story that we're going to get into at some other point. Yep. <laughs> but um. <laughs> But story-wise, like, it covers a lot darker themes and aspects to it than, you know, 12 does. Like, it covers, like, poverty in the slums of Midgar and, and you know, like, shit and stuff. You know, like, bad shit. <laughs> this one, you're just, like, following these people. And Pinello and Vaughn, who are supposed to be these street orphans that uh, orphaned after the war, you don't really get any sort of introspection from them about what it's like to be an orphan or how hard their lives have been because of being an orphan and all these sort of like really interesting aspects of the characters and this applies to all the characters the interesting aspects that define them as a character are never explored to a degree that would allow you to connect with that character so i think for example balthia is probably the one that has the most character quote-unquote growth because he has a connection to the antagonists and he sort of is He's the character that has the charm. There's probably, like, none of the other characters have the degree of charm that Balthier has. But the problem is, they don't really explore this relationship between him and his father at all. Yeah. Vague spoilers that'll come towards the end. Like, yeah. that's a really interesting di- dynamic that in a, pre- in a previous Final Fantasy game, you would have flashbacks, you would have some sort of, like, more dialogue. I think they attribute, like, maybe three lines of dialogue to it in this game. But they would explore that relationship and they just don't do that here. Oops, hit my mic. Yeah, I wonder if, like, the original director who had to leave had any plans to kind of add more characterization and development to the characters in the game, or if that was just another thing yeah. that got kind of 
just put uh, put on the backboard and never man- managed to make it into the main game because of all the problems that the development had. But it is a shame because, like Balthier, is definitely very interesting, um, and it would would have been cool to explore the relationship to his father and the history. Yeah, he just like it. Just it's disappointing to me that they could have been so much more. Like all of them have the potential to be so much more, and they just don't really deliver on that. And that's that's sort of where my my anger and disappointment with this game <laughs> comes from is just from the storytelling aspect, which is the admittedly the thing I appreciate most about RPGs and probably the reason why it's taken me three attempts to get through this game and in the middle I've given up every single time. Yep. It's fair enough. I think a lot of people feel the same way as you. And um I mean it starts off well if you ask me. Like the um the intro scene I agree. with Rex and, and bash or not bash is super intriguing um i think maybe they just don't add enough of these core moments to keep you enthused to keep on playing because like once you've seen that you don't really get any more emotional moments to keep your your keep you engaged in the story uh until you reach like arcadia and that even then it's not as impactful and it takes a goddamn long time to get to arcadia it's just one long road trip really uh, so yeah, I I understand completely what you're saying, and I don't disagree. But I also don't hate it. I I quite like the political moments. I quite like that there isn't the same sort of uh, typical romance that you might find in other Final Fantasies. Um, and I I like that they're trying political things. It uh like I think it's probably harder to to do in a way that keeps people interested. Um, and yeah, it probably hasn't worked entirely as they wanted, but I think the mm-hmm. other features of the game are strong enough to make this worth playing. Look, um, I mean, I don't hate it either, but um, here's my perspective. And I've so okay, so this is the apparently the fourth game in the world of Evilise, which is this setting. Um, so Evilise is the world that is inhabited by Viera, which are the rabbit people. Bangar, which are the lizard people, um, Moogles, and uh, I think the other one's like called or Seek, which kind of look like these pig people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this world is one that's used for the Final Fantasy Tactics series, and that's Final Fantasy Tactics on the original PlayStation One, um, and then also Final Fantasy Tactics Advance on Game Boy Advance, and Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy Tactics A2 on DS. And those worlds, I've played the all the advanced ones. Um, so the one on Game Boy Advance and the one on DS and loved those. And I was totally into the idea of Ivalice in Final Fantasy XII. But it never really like goes into like the exploration to the world that it does in those other games. And, um, oh, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. The point is that um, Final Fantasy Tactics, which we both haven't completed... The original PlayStation One game is apparently one of the best stories in the entire series, like Final Fantasy franchise, and it's very heavily political. So I'm all for that, and I want to explore that. But it was so hard to get into in Final Fantasy Twelve, and I don't know why. It's just like this wall between me and the game where I cannot comprehend what the hell is going on, <laughs> and yeah. I don't have a problem with political stories in general. But this one is just like what the fuck are you saying in ye old English? I don't understand you. 
Ah, well, I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree. <laughs> just agree. Yeah. Um, although I would just say I think the world itself is really cool, and that I think maybe that probably kept me interested in the game more than the story half the time. Just uh, like wandering around yeah. the towns, talking to the to the people, just seeing what's up. I think it creates a really intriguing and lively world that feels kind of real. The world is good. Um, it could be better. It still feels half baked to me, but. I don't know. Um, I am being quite harsh on it because I, I guess that for me personally, this is the first time a Final Fantasy game really heavily disappointed me <laughs> because like we went from all the early PS1 Final Fantasies, um, Final Fantasy 9, which I absolutely love, Final Fantasy 10, which I also absolutely loved um, at the time, even with the terrible voice acting and all that sort of stuff. It's got fine voice acting. And then acting. 12 came around. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like at at that age when I played it, I thought it was fine. Um, and then 12 came around and I was so hyped, so excited. I was such a big Final Fantasy nerd. This one came around and I was absolutely fucking bored. Oh, I enjoyed it a lot more when I first played it. When I came back to it last year, um, it was a bit of a slog towards the end. Uh, so that mm-hmm. that was strange. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe I had just... Uh, burnt myself out when I played it originally <laughs> and going back to it, it's like oh I gotta do this again I don't know where did you sort of give up because every time I gave up it was near the Golmore jungle oh no I, ne- I never give up I give up on some of the hunts but uh, I always finish the, the main story no nah, this is the first one where I actually like was excited for it bought it and did not finish it it's the only Final Fantasy game I think I did not finish intentionally or out of boredom I even managed to finish thirteen, the entire thirteen trilogy, and Final Fantasy fifteen, at least at the time that I attempted it. Ah, well, that's uh, that's that's quite a statement right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate Final Fantasy fifteen. I think it's an absolute pile of steaming dog shit. Um, but I managed to finish it. It kept me interested until the end. <laughs> okay, I haven't played it, so I haven't. I can't comment. But th- yeah, same, like, avoid finishing it. thirteen trilogy. That's disgusting. I would rate the 13 trilogy above Final Fantasy 12. That's disgusting. In my level uh, of enjoyment. That's outrageous. I hate that statement. That's the worst yeah. thing you've ever said. And you you, you mentioned earlier that it was, that the 13 story is hard to understand and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I found it hard to understand too. I guess it's not, but it is. Yeah, that's the thing. It isn't It isn't and isn't. Yeah. Um, there is enough like law there that it kept me interested. And the thing I... Here's, my complaint about Final Fantasy 12 carries over to both 13 and 15 which is the lack of storytelling. So because of 12's like lack of character interactions and, and meaningful, heartful moments and all that sort of stuff, um, that's missing in 12. You find those in 13, but 13, you're missing like the wider, broader scope of explanation for what the fuck is going on. <laughs> like, And then in 15, it's just a clusterfuck of absolute confusing nonsense. So somewhere along the line, and I think it's because Hiroyuki Sakaguchi left um, Square or Square Enix whoever was in charge of the story development and all that sort of stuff just dropped the ball and whoever it's being left to now is like i don't know did they give it to a, a fucking intern or something because <laughs> they're not telling cohesive stories and <laughs> it's pissing me off <laughs> yeah maybe they should have added some extra lore that you could read just just like final fantasy 13 did but in a, in a better yeah, look, in a better manner to get a backstory uh, i hated that aspect of it too <laughs> like, yeah I don't want to have to read lore to get into it, but the lore of 13 is solid. It's just not cohesively explained. It needs to be presented better. games while you're playing it. Yeah. Yeah. 
exactly. Like the law for 12, I'm sure is there, but there hasn't been enough for it for me to pique my interest enough to read the wikis. And um, the characters aren't interesting enough to pull it off from like an emotional hook angle. That's that's a fair comment. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to one of the things that I think is fantastic in this game. Um, All right. Even okay. if even Moving if you, on from the story. even if you had if you even if you have kind of briefly touched upon the fact that the um, like old English uh, way of talking is a bit tiresome, I think the translation is fantastic. And uh, this has been said by lots of people before, but it's uh, I, re- I I really really like the the old traditional language used. I think it works and fits the kind of uh, style of the world and the towns perfectly. How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, look, I hate the way they talk, but I I can acknowledge and appreciate that the translation team did a bang-up job because they didn't just translate it from, in- from Japanese to English. They, like, they really had a, a good fucking go at this and then they have made it completely consistent throughout like they've picked this style of speaking they're obviously very well read excellent vocabulary type of people to be able to translate all this stuff into this style of talking i don't like this style of talking but the fact that they've managed to do it consistently through the entire game um, my hat is off to them good job you did great i just don't like it (laughs) (laughs) i i many times during this game I would hear words that I'd never heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's like always a turn of phrase that I'm like, all right, that's fucking weird. Like, clever, but I don't like that you just said it that way. It makes me feel smart playing it. <laughs> no, it doesn't make me... Well, it makes me feel dumb playing it because even though I understand what they're saying, like, un- until they come up to those fucking made-up words. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the the yagd and the okja-bogja yes. and all that bullshit. We can't get to the um, lighthouse because of the yagd. Yeah, all that made-up shit that is, like, tr- tropey, sort of, like, high-fantasy made-up words that are confusing as fuck and hard to pronounce. That stuff. When they're speaking in just sentences and they they have that kind of, like, sort of ye old turn of phrase kind of thing, I'm like, all right, I like that, it's clever, but they still all sort of, like, talk really stiff and constipated with sticks up their asses, and I'm just like, oh, fucking... Where are we? Fucking 19th century England. I don't like this. Ah, well, I loved it. <laughs> and That's okay. There's another interesting <laughs> aspect um, with the Acuria. Because you're a patriot. I am, actually. It's true. Uh, it's yes. Brit- my, my fellow Brits. <laughs> my people. Um, and you've got the Acuria, which... Where my people at? <laughs> which are like these um, <laughs> gods of evilest sort. They're like Falci. They're like Falci. No, I guess they are a little bit. And you have um yeah. you have like the the runaway Akiria who's who's trying to like go against them. And uh interestingly they all their dialogue is written in iambic pentameter. And I think well, it's either they're written in iambic pentameter or the of uh, the other one, the runaway one, is written in like iambic um tri tritameter. What does that mean? I can't remember. It's it's, it's like 
pentameter is each sentence is um, 10, 10 words or 10 syllables per sentence. Something along those oh. lines. And, um, so it's like a haiku or something. You know, it's that sort of bollocks. Uh, but it's yeah. an interesting idea. And I didn't notice it until like second, second time around. Okay, well, I had no idea that that was even a thing. Good on them for giving it a go. Yeah, it's, pro- um, it's probably lost and on most people. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think that anyone would notice that. I mean, it's a very strange unless thing. Unless you are to... like deep into literature and yeah, writing. Like you're a fucking word nerd or something. Goddamn word nerd. Yeah, the Acuria were interesting. So they're like the spirits or gods or higher beings that overlook. There is some, some law to be found about these. And although I'm probably going to be totally wrong. It's something along the lines of they were like um, one of the original beings of Ivalice and they kind of ascended to these sort of spiritual half ethereal beings and yeah. um, they kind of their goal in, in, in their life is to keep peace and order but also they almost want to run things like they want to have the deciding factor in the way that humans decide their their life and stuff and that's why this plot is heavily influenced by the Akira because they're they're trying to guide the party's uh, direction trying to get them to yeah do this certain thing with a certain stone and then the runaway the bad or the the escapee Akira is like no do this other thing um yeah so it's kind of going against god's wishes sort of thing but in the end, the the runaway character or the rogue Akuria is basically doing the exact same thing that the other Akuria are doing anyway, but he's just doing it separate from everybody else, which is trying it's, to control. It's interesting the because outcome. when you look at it, this the the rogue the um, Venar as it's called, you yeah. you kind of you have moments where you don't know if it's doing a good thing or a bad thing because unless I've got it wrong. Venar basically wants um, to free humans from the Akuria's grasp, sort of. They want to free them so that they have their own decisions and can kind of do what they want. So by staying with the Akuria, it's kind of seeming like you're stuck in their in their like little plot that they've got going. I don't know, maybe I read that wrong. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, it's it's hard for me to remember. I mean, remember, I literally just played the ending of this today. <laughs> but from what I think... My interpretation of it was that Ash went against what the Akuria wanted anyway. So in the end, didn't she sort of separate themselves from her, their interference? Like she, just oh, she went did. Like, yeah. nah, fuck your plan. Yeah, she did. We're good to do what we want. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. in the Ferris lighthouse when she kind of has the option to destroy or use the sun crust. That's it. Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't know what the hell was going on there. I'm like, all right, all of these fancy terms being thrown around, and I can't remember what happened 15 hours ago in the last cutscene because these cutscenes don't happen nearly often enough, and there's way too much gameplay in between. So yeah. Yeah. There's um. If I know what's going on. <laughs> there's a whole lot of stones in this game because Nephysite is kind of like the <laughs> super super powerful energy stone in this game, and um, there are a lot of them. You've got like the Sun Crest, the uh, Midnight Shard. Um, the dawn shard, all these things, and some of them have like are like um, deified nephysite, manufactured nephysite. I'm sure there's another type of nephysite. There's a lot and lot of nephysite, and that yeah. can get confusing for sure. 
It is. <laughs> <laughs> and even even like during the end, you kind of understand that these stones form the power used to to energize the last um dungeon sort of thing and uh i'm i'm very confused about how that works uh yeah look i don't know either all i knew is that the guide told me that you needed these this amount of black stones to put into this pedestal to get the thing to go and I'm like all right fine let's go yeah but this is the sort of fantastical nonsense that i don't particularly care how it works <clears throat> there's like a lot of yeah. a lot of random bullshit that happens in previous final fantasies and i appreciate it because it's from, it's a fantasy world and stuff like this can happen and i don't need to understand the inner workings of it to enjoy it i guess <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like like i said on the stream it just reminds me of like those old women who are really into crystals and shit and they're like oh this amethyst will help you with bad dreams or take this quartz and put it under your pillow and the one you love will take a shit on your face in your sleep or some bullshit and like it just reminds me of that yeah nonsense. that is quite hilarious <laughs> it, that never really crossed my mind i thought of it more as like a um there's like a limited supply of uranium on Ivalis to generate, yeah. to power your nuclear reactors. And it's like certain people can wield these stones. It, yeah, it's it's how are you going to take it, I guess. It's not the most intriguing uh, thing. I thought of it more like, oh, hold this nethocyte to your testicles and meditate and then you will see the face of your one true love. Yeah. <laughs> chain email bullshit <laughs> yeah oh there's a, there's another feature um like if you carry a stone i think some of them through the okuria can kind of get a vision to appear in front of you so like throughout the game ash the princess sees visions or like a ghost or ghostly form of her dead husband rustler who dies during the start of the game and um that's that's like another way the Akuria are kind of trying to guide them to follow their own desire. So yeah. that was something I didn't uh, realize at all until I read the, the lot like after. Yeah, and uh, Vinar, the, the rogue Akuria, can possess people who are holding pieces of the manufactured nephocyte. Yeah, and this manufactured nephocyte can kind of turn humans into hulks and super beings. Like some of the uh, yeah. some of the judge characters who uh, turn into freaking monsters. <laughs> yeah, the judges, by the way, are very prevalent in all of the previous Ivalice storylines in other games. All right, like Final Fantasy Advance, the judges are integral to the way that battles are run because every single battle that you have in civilized, uh, not society, but like if you're in a section of the world which is overseen by the the empire or whatever it's called a judge will automatically appear every time you have a battle with another clan and then they will tell you what the rules of each battle are so it's like the rule is in this battle you can't use black magic or something like that so if okay we're going off track but um in fun fantasy tactics advance if your character would use black magic against the opposing clans in the battle then the judge would appear on their chocobo and then issue like a yellow card or a red card. <laughs> right. Clan members will get arrested. It's like referee. So, yeah, it's exactly like that. So they they like oversee all of the battles and stuff in the tactics series, not including the PS One game because I don't think they're in that. But 
um, I was disappointed to see that. Uh, I mean, like I was kind of expecting a little bit more from the judges in this storyline, but only because I was exposed to them in the Final Fantasy Tactics advanced games. I thought they would have a bit more to do. Well, like an expanded, much role. like the main characters of the game. I think just development of pretty much everyone would have been nice. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. The judges yeah. were pretty interesting, and there wasn't enough about them. Well, there was like a lot of yeah. Judge Gabranth, but then there were a whole ton of other ones you see and you see in a few cutscenes, but otherwise they just vanish. Like there was um I'm gonna I'm gonna forget her name. Is it um like Drask or something? The the, the there's this one female judge. The lady one. Yeah. Um <laughs> she was pretty interesting. I don't know her name. But yeah, you only see in like two cutscenes, I think. I mean, I kept on thinking while I was playing this, I just wish that there was like an anime or something or some sort of like CGI TV series on this because I want to see like Game of Thrones style, what's going on in the background. Like, because these judges are kind of like, in a way, Knights of the Round Table type of figures. Yeah. So they were interesting, but they you just did not spend enough time with them to to understand the functioning, like the way that these kingdoms function in order to understand the political dynamics yeah you don't really have a clue what a judge is and just yeah you know to follow the fact that people consider this to be like a star wars ripoff they do just feel like sith lords <laughs> yeah i i don't really get the star wars thing like i get that balthier is kind of like han solo and um fran is like chewbacca but i don't really get the rest of the characters there's a there's a whole it doesn't fit for me there's a whole massive kind of discussion theories on it online just just go on reddit there's tons people will be like okay every kind of story hall is like this is this is just like this part in star wars that happened when the senate dissolved and blah 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 it's tiring i Ugh. i don't see the point in even comparing it they're different they're, they're super yeah. different <laughs> i i prefer yeah, i would find it insulting to have this final fantasy compared to star wars nowadays <laughs> wait because you think star wars is better no, I think Star Wars is bad. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good. I mean, original trilogy aside, which I liked as a kid, and I can see the value in them, um, prequel trilogy and Disney trilogy are trash. Okay, well... So, if only one third of Star Wars is good, then the, it's, the whole is bad. The, as a whole, it's bad. I pretty much enjoy every Star Wars I've seen, but I, uh, I like 12 more than Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, I do too. <laughs> We've agreed on something. But I think Star Wars is bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I don't, ha- I don't hate 12. I have my own personal sort of top five for Final Fantasy games. 12 is definitely not in there. I would place it mid to bottom rank-ish. You know what? I... Sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't just going to go into my ranking. I just had a thought. Like, I'd almost prefer it if this game wasn't actually a Final Fantasy game. If they just called it something completely different. Yeah. Like a separate sort of evilist series like vagrant story 2 yeah but um oh i was literally gonna say that vagrant story 2. <laughs> yeah uh but they should have done because i think in many aspects it is just too far from a final fantasy and that's perhaps mm-hmm. why it might have got like negative reception because you would go and expect in like some super uh ex uh, like a flamboyant um villain like uh sephiroth uh kuja kefka blah 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 in this one you've got yeah. Vane, who you don't really know is the villain, or oh, I guess you do, it's pretty obvious, but he isn't in it that much at all. Unlike, say, um Seymour from Final Fantasy X, who kind of appears like a hundred times <laughs> and you have to fight him yeah. in various forms. 
In this, you you meet him once and then you kill him. Uh, you, there are a couple of cutscenes with Vane. Um, the problem with Vane though is that he had the potential to be an interesting villain because he's not like after world domination. He's just trying to conquer Dalmasca because it's in the way of his fight with the other superpower. What's it called? Something starting with R? Oh, Rosaria. Rosaria. Yeah, he's 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 fighting a war with Rosaria and Dalmasca's in the way, so he has to conquer Dalmasca. So it would be interesting for a villain to not really be a villain, but he's just like what he's doing as a means to an end for a different goal. So that would have been an interesting character to explore. But obviously you don't really get to explore him too much because the story doesn't really go into any details. Yeah. Again, yeah, yeah. could just be repeating ourselves. Like if only they give a little yeah. bit more to him. <laughs> uh, well, I, I do like that he, he isn't ass ridiculous. Like I want to destroy the world. His ambitions yeah. are almost realistic. Like you can imagine a person being like this. Um, yeah, just like power hungry, but not to the set, not to the like uh, desire of destroying the whole world and killing everyone. Like uh, y- your Kefkas out there. So in that sense, I like yeah. him as a villain. I like his um, modus operandi, that sort of thing. I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike him. He's just a very normal person trying to conquer a country to get back to his war with. That country that you just told me, and I've already forgotten the name of <laughs> Rosaria. Rosaria. And of course, there's his yeah, uh, his, his little brother or little sister, um, Larsa. Did you just assume his or her gender? <laughs> so I said, oh, I don't want to assume. He does have like hair that looks like my sister when she was a, a very small child, though. <laughs> I'll be honest, I absolutely hated Larsa at first, and um, oh. I grew to quite like his character. Actually, I was expecting him to be just one of those like, um, you know, the the typical tv tropes of the annoying child who just kind of yeah. makes things unpleasant and everyone kind of hates him but this this one i thought is pretty good yeah i thought he was more interesting than the main cast of characters so every time he's with the party yeah yeah because when he's with the party there's something going on in the story and there's a dynamic between him and the people he's talking to so that's when interesting shit is actually going on and i just wanted more of that so um yeah it's not hard to outshine the rest of the cast. That's <laughs> true. Um, all right. Well, well, give me your rank then. Cause, um, and where does Final Fantasy XII sort of fit into the, the grand scope of um, just the mainline numbers, by the way? We don't want to go into side stories. Admittedly, my experience of Final Fantasy is quite limited. Like, uh, I never finished seven. I haven't played uh-huh. five, four, or two. And um, I, I think I finished one. I played like a few hours of three. Um, again, I've probably played like half of seven. Um, eight and nine, ten, twelve, and fourteen are more or less the only ones that I can really give much of a thought. What about thirteen? You finished thirteen and thirteen. I, too, I actually didn't you? forgot that one, but I've played thirteen, thirteen, two. <laughs> what okay. comes after twelve? Fourteen. <laughs> um, so I guess. Wait, did you play fourteen? As in the the MMR? Yeah, I have played the. The full Realm Reborn thing I haven't played oh, wow. since. Um, so I guess my ranking would probably be something like um, being best. I'd probably put like nine and eight together. I quite like them both equally, sort of thing. Um, okay. Then ten, then twelve, then fourteen. All right. Um, well, I agree with your number one. Well, one of your number ones. So my number one is Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah. Um, and then. My second favorite is 10, mm-hmm. then 4, then 10-2, and then 5. 
Okay, I really want to play four and five. Yeah, I've heard the story is like really damn good. Yeah, four I think is great, and um, five is the first time, um, other than three, where the job class system is really utilized. So you can like switch between, uh, you know, like black mage, red mage, white mage, like and and specialize in classes and stuff, yeah. and, and earn experience in all the classes. And I was so addicted to that. I loved that stuff. But yeah, ten two as well is massively underrated in my opinion. Yeah, I can never get into that one. I, I hate. That's fine. I hate that. <laughs> I hate what they did to that game. I just wanted. What? I just wanted <sighs> ten, but to be the exact same as as Final Fantasy ten battle system <laughs> that sort of thing instead they just made it they made it what it is <laughs> i want to give it another go though i will say the battle system is excellent yeah i, I don't agree. so what the way you feel the way you feel about 10 2 is the way i feel about 12 okay <laughs> i wanted 12 to be like 10 10 2 9 8 and 7 okay Ooh, just hit my mic well again. maybe we'll do an episode on 10 2 when i finish it because uh, i've got it on vita and ps3 so i would like to i would like to experience the story i'm quite curious where it goes it's good i mean it's very much like a um filler arc in an anime or something like that but it's for what it for what it's worth i found it significantly more entertaining than 12 yeah i mean i can see why you'd say entertaining but whether it's good entertainment that's yet to be decided in my mind oh it's when you fucking load it up and you've just got yuna singing oh my god it was just like what have i turned on here you obviously didn't play it long enough because that wasn't Yuna singing. That was somebody else wearing her dress sphere. Yeah, I didn't discover who that was. But I, I've played for a few hours back in the day on PS2 and didn't like it. Didn't like the combat. Also, that song was a banger. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Not okay no, with that. It was good. We should move away from that uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I was going to say something. Yeah, I've lost a friend over Final Fantasy twelve. No, Final Fantasy ten two before. Right. Well, that's that's quite a like, big thing. Like I have completely cut ties with somebody who was hating on ten two. <laughs> wow. Should I tell the story? Please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, a while ago, I used to be um, a radio host for community radio station here in Melbourne, and um, one of the people who worked at the station was broadcasting on one of these on on a night that i wasn't there so like i i was tuned in and listening because he was a friend of mine and he was just talking about stuff and then he started like really hating on 10 2 and um at this station you could send in text messages and um the people will read them on air so <laughs> i text messaged him and i was like defending the game i can't remember what i said but he's like yeah no nah, 10 2 is trash and it's complete garbage and blah blah, blah. and i just got so pissed off it's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> Well, fine. Fuck you then. And then I like, deleted him off all my social medias and just never spoke to him again. Because he was shitting on 10-2 on public radio and I couldn't defend it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, admittedly, I haven't, I haven't said yet. I was going to wait until the end of the episode, but I was, uh, I'm actually thinking this is the last episode because I can't be uh, like in a podcast with someone who um, doesn't like Final Fantasy twelve. So this is the end. I never said I didn't like it. I'm de- deleting you on everything. No, please. <laughs> I don't have any friends left. <laughs> fine. I've been scoping out new co-hosts anyway. No, that's fine. You, you can keep your opinions. I, I accept them. Fine. I, I, can, I can appreciate that you like this game. I'm just... The utter disappointment I have for it is 
overwhelming to me. <laughs> so all right, let, let's let's try and focus on something positive again. And if you if you don't like this thing, um, well, <laughs> I would just be lost for words because are you going to lobotomize me? Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> the music in this game, absolutely fantastic. Get out. I don't want that sigh here. I played for 100 hours and I cannot repeat a single tune or melody from any of the songs back to you. Off the top of my head, I can repeat a dozen tunes from the earlier games. The music in this game is not memorable to me. That does not mean that it's not good. It just means that it's not memorable. Dude, I can... I can... I can... I can, I can picture... Uh, like... Uh, you're wrong. Give me one of the songs. Give me one of the songs. Um, melody, right now. I can't remember what that is, but it's it's in my head. And then you've got um, okay, I think that's Revanesta. Uh, you've got <laughs> you've got the Fun Coast one, which is damn cool. It's one of the like best Final Fantasy game songs of all time. Not forgetting um, the final boss theme. Uh, I can't remember what it's called Battle for Freedom. I think that one is like easily up there, being one of the best um, Final Fantasy final bosses. Soundtrack. I didn't even notice it. <sighs> I didn't even notice it. Well, maybe what needs to be said about the soundtrack is it's um, it's very orchestral and kind of it would almost fit in like a, a John Williams soundtrack to like a, a film, you know, or like um, there are, there are certain scenes like in the opening cinematic which fa- sounds mm. just like it would fit in like disney's fantasia that sort of thing uh it's very orchestral yeah and whereas like you got nabua umatsu who's very um melodic and there's there's a lot of variety in umatsu's work it's no doubt this is Sa- yeah. um, hitoshi sakimoto who also did uh i'm not sure he did all of the tactics games but he certainly did some of them and um it, there there is a lot of melody there and to my mind a lot of it is really memorable um okay so, so i guess yeah, it's always, it's always going to be subjective, this thing. But to say, like, the music's bad or doesn't fit or whatever, I know you haven't said that. But I think if you do think that, you're 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 wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's fighting words. <laughs> um, I do not think the music is bad. It is certainly very orchestral and... It is certainly music. <laughs> and, and there are sounds coming out and, and they, they make you feel things, but if... For me, it's not like a memorable Final Fantasy soundtrack. To me, Final Fantasy is like um, Beatrix's theme from Final Fantasy Nine. See, iconic, fucking iconic. It's it's um, it is iconic. You're right, but I also think if you listen yeah. to like um, the Dalmasca Esther stand, that one is absolutely fucking awesome, and the um, Nalbadia Fortress Town, that one is so good. Oh man, awesome stuff. I mean, but be- I, I just bear in mind, don't know what to tell you. I just didn't like it that much. I know, but I'm just—it was there. I, I'm, I'm just particularly passionate about this soundtrack. I think it's amazing. So, 
Okay. I'm not, I'm not condemning uh, you for hating it or, or not, sorry, I don't not know. enjoying it or not noticing it, maybe. It might have something to do with the fact that I had to spend so much time in each of the areas that it just, I tuned the music out completely. Mm, maybe. But I would say listen to the Battle for Freedom because, like, it has such a good build up. And then that build up is just concluded in such, such a cool way. That it's just like Italian chef kiss. Did you just finish the boss super quick? Oh, you know why? That the song didn't get, get time to develop. Because <laughs> yes. I did that too. I literally like one shot vein. Yeah, I was like level 90. I, I, I swung my sword at him like four times and he died. So I didn't really get a chance to hear the music. <laughs> well, you know what? If I'm editing this one, I'm just chuck the epic part of that in. And everyone can appreciate it because it is so damn good. going to be as much of a banger as um seymour's battle theme no nah, i've never on, liked that one on gaga mount gaga wait what's that mountain called and G- lady gaga yeah <laughs> gaga's that that's it gaga mountain nah, i don't like that one i don't i don't see the appeal i love that one it's a, i love the mountain gaga's theme uh, i love the people just of the, the north the general battle music in final fantasy 10 yeah it's very good yeah so I, I just I was missing that kind of iconicness. Well, I mean, you do have the Chocobo theme, which is done all right, and you also have the uh, Clash on the Big Bridge, which are like the, the two main um, reoccurring themes from all the games, and yeah. the main theme, of course, which is pretty good in this one. You're talking about the one that pops up um, uh, when you boot up the game. I don't remember. Oh, okay, fine. I don't know. I'm not sure what the main theme is. <laughs> it might well be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, the, the Final Fantasy main theme. How does that go? Um, Uh, yeah yeah yeah. okay roger that (laughs) to be fair um my memory of the music is skewed because i've listened to the music like separately like i listen to it just um on my own i I happily just go on a walk and listen to that or or, like just do some work to to it that'll be the perfect sort of thing for me yeah um so I probably know the music better than someone who's just played it and listened to it in the background and maybe not appreciate the subtle nuances that it might have had that you could have missed. All right, I get it, I get it. Um, I do Listen the same the thing. <laughs> I do the same thing with the Nero Tombata soundtrack because that is, uh, like you say, is it, no, wait, what did you say? Italian chef, yeah, Italian French kiss. No, That's Italian, the one, yep. <laughs> Italian French kiss. Italian chef kiss. <laughs> Italian- an italian and a french kiss <laughs> all right there, there's one more thing which really disappointed me and that were the espers or the summons oh yes i have a note about this too yeah what were you gonna so, say please well i was just gonna say that they're a bit shit and you don't really need them yes and that was disappointing because you're, you're coming from you're coming from you know seven eight nine ten where the summons are so damn cool and i, I absolutely love them and they're so useful for battles whereas in this they're just like rubbish and forgettable yeah i 
what I said... Yeah, okay, here's my note. It says, um, the espers are significantly less iconic than the usual summons, and I found them basically useless in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, you only use them a, a few times where, like, uh, perhaps you need to summon them to avoid, like, a like a one-hit-kill move sort of thing. But that might, I might be wrong with that. That might not be the case at all. Uh, I think just, like, the weapons and the battle system is is good enough that you don't ever need to use these espers because yeah. they just they tend to just die it was more of a, yeah it was more of a hindrance because like when you summon an esper you can only summon the one that's that you have the license for and the character who has that license is the only one that can summon that esper so for example if i had van summon hashmal or, or someone then um he's the only one that can summon him and when hashmal comes onto the battlefield um the other two party members disappear so i've just gone from like having two other possible targets for the enemies down to only two targets which is the summoner and the esper so if the summoner dies the esper dies too right yeah 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 so by the time the esper shows up he's not going to be my meat shield van is going to die <laughs> so it's very useless <laughs> Yeah, they were. It was hugely disappointing to me, and I think I went into the game expecting to get, you know, your Ifrits, your Shivas, your Leviathans, blah blah blah. And yeah. it turns out that they are just like airships in this game. Yeah, they're they're definitely not nearly as iconic as the the regular summons, and um, like the Espers that you do have in this game, they are also present in the Final Fantasy Tactics Advance series. So I had already seen them before, um, in the previous game. And had a very similar reaction to those as well. Because I'm like, the designs just aren't nearly as interesting or stand out from each other or appear to be as unique from each other. They just kind of... There are a few that stand out, but mostly, yeah, they're quite forgettable. Uh, What I would say is I quite enjoyed getting them. Yeah. uh, Most of them. They do account for some really good battles. And we should probably talk about the battle system a bit more because we didn't really go into that in too much detail. Probably best if you kind of lead the way with this one. Oh, I just mean like in general, like it's the battle system for those not in the know. And if you're still with us after an hour and a half, um, (laughs) the battle system is kind of like an auto battle. So um, the, the enemy will target you and then you will target the enemy if you have a, um, a gambit for it. And then you just automatically carry out the actions that are in your gambit you don't need to manually select any um commands whatsoever you can just have everyone set to attack and then if you are in range to an enemy you just automatically attack them and it's also worth noting as well that the enemies in in 12 are the first in the final fantasy series to not be random encounters they are present on the field and you can run up to them and attack them in uh, quote unquote real time so you're not transported to a separate battlefield you fight them on the map that you're standing on um, and then once they're killed you just continue running find the next one and keep killing it is very much like an mmo where you're just traversing the map and there are enemies on the map and you just kill them with this auto battle thing and then keep on going so the- yeah. theoretically i like that aspect for sure i mean i have my problems with it I'm a control freak. <laughs> so taking away, like the thing I love about battle in Final Fantasy games is the strategy of thinking a few moves ahead, not necessarily setting up. Like I get that gambits are strategic because you need to pre preemptively figure out what enemies are in the area, what attacks they're going to use and think of a defense for their status elements. So in 12 status elements are a lot more predominant than any of the previous games in the series. 
Um, they never really affect you much in the previous games. This one, almost every enemy has some sort of static, static, status affecting ability. So it'll always cast like poison or sap or stone or, or something. So you need to like always make sure you have the correct equipment on and and or you have a gambit for um, either using a remedy or a status healing item or something like that. Um, so there's strategy in that aspect, but I prefer the strategy of the turn-based battles or even like the tactics strategy turn-based battles where you are... At, like it's more of like a chess game, I suppose, where that's that's more appealing to me is um, each character you're selecting an action and you're um, predicting your enemy's action and reacting to that enemy's action. Whereas in this one, you're just kind of running through and auto killing everything. So there's not much strategy in that aspect, except for the yeah. bosses. That's what, that's what I was about to say. It's like yeah. <clears throat> there can be strategy, but oftentimes you don't need much. Yeah, you're definitely not going to get that any sort of like um, challenge from just regular monsters on the field unless it's it's a rare monster or you are woefully underleveled for the area that you're supposed to be in. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing though because if you had to do something more strategic like like that say like chessboard analogy yeah. um, for each battle you would you would get so tired of it because there's so many battles so for the amount of fighting you have to do in this game for all the little like little grunts that are running around each area um they kind of need to streamline it and make it easy so it's like um they'd have to (laughs) change the number of enemies all that sort of thing if they made the combat different yeah well i think they they made the environments to accommodate for this specific combat because they had taken it from 11 um yeah if if they had stuck with the random battles like in the previous games, I mean, it's not anything we're not already used to. We've seen it 10 times before. It wouldn't be a problem, but um, they they very clearly like planned the world out and the maps out to accommodate for this particular battle system. Um, I don't mind the battle system. I just don't find it nearly as interactive or strategic as uh, the previous battle systems. And it actually got me thinking as well that if you had a Switch, you would love the Xenoblade Chronicle games because they're very similar in the battle style, but significantly more interactive than this. Yeah, I've heard that this was quite a big influence on Xenoblade. So. Yeah, like I that's love... One, that's one good thing that came from it. I love those games. Like, I love them 10 times more than I love this one. And <laughs> um, I, I, if you ever get a Switch, you need to invest in those games because I know that you will love them as well if you love this game that much. Yeah, well, they look awesome. I have absolutely no doubt that I would enjoy them. They are awesome. Today's episode <laughs> sponsored by Xenoblade Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a couple of nitpicks. Um, one of my notes says, uh, when this game is good, it's really good, but I often find it tedious. So um, I think that just means like the battles in general, the environments are quite large. Everything seems to take a lot longer than it should, and there's not enough story in between. Oh, I hate the item descriptions, because they don't tell you in full details what the items do. So there's one okay. in particular. It's um, it's called the Black Robes, um, and it, it increases the damage of your dark attacks, but there is nothing written anywhere on the item description when you equip it that tells you that it actually does this. So um, if you did not have a guide you wouldn't know that pairing the black robes with the Yagyu 
dark blade on your shikari <laughs> would cause like massive amounts of damage so that's like one of the key strategies for taking down yasmat the super boss who is weak to dark attacks um so i often found that in some of these items and equipment stuff they just don't tell you what they actually do until you look it up on the wiki so i hate that you have to rely on the extra information online to get the full information yeah any game that kind of requires you to look at a guide to to like know these stuff yeah isn't is not particularly a good feature in my mind yeah uh another one is um uh oh 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 here we go here we go son <laughs> i wish there was a way to zoom the camera out because i actually hate the camera so much <laughs> really yes it is Why? locked in so you can't zoom out it's it's sort of like stuck at a specific distance behind your character and your character is smack bang, bang center screen so if you yeah. have a melee fighting cam uh melee fighting character like van with a blade or something and you have these giant bosses you can't fully take in what's happening around you or appreciate the actual design of the boss because like when i was streaming the hellworm van was like up at the hellworm's foot i couldn't even see the rest of the monster like i want to zoom back out of that so i can get a broader scope of what's happening on the battlefield and that's something yeah. that xenobade chronicles does really well so by a switch yeah also in Final Fantasy fourteen, you also get complete control of the camera. Like you can zoom out really damn far, and you can also go into first person mode should you want. Yeah. But um, That'd I can't be awesome. believe that would have been a, a difficult feature to implement. So yeah, yeah, bit of a shame. I, perhaps it was always... like, perhaps it was because of the design of the level. Like it's just not made to zoom out that far. Was it just look shit? Ah, uh, actually, yeah, you have a good point because some of those um arenas are not as big as like the outdoor areas so i suppose if you yeah. zoomed the camera out you would lose um oh no maybe it's because they actually build in like a roof and in most other games they leave the roof oh, off so you can zoom out yeah okay so i hated that you couldn't zoom that stuff out um i also wanted to know which classes you picked for your characters in the zodiac age okay um i know for van i had him as an ulan and a black mage. Oh yeah. Um, I think I had Ash as a monk and a white mage, maybe. Um, okay. I know Fran. I kept her with bows, and then a, a mage of some sort. Uh, Balthier, for some reason, I gave him swords. Okay. Uh, I I don't remember the actual. <laughs> oh, sorry. I made Ash a, a knight. Um, oh. but I I really don't remember that, like <laughs> what I actually gave everyone. Oh. I know that my choices were pretty terrible. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, I after agonizing for ages to figure out what I wanted, I ended up changing two of them after the fact because um they finally yeah. patched into the PS4 version the option to change licenses. Um, so I had my Van as a knight and a bushi, which is like the samurai mm -hmm. dude. Uh, Balthier was a time mage and a monk. No, Ulan. Mm -hmm. Time mage Ulan. Yep. Uh, Fran was a black mage monk. Ash was a white mage machinist. And Pinello was a red mage Shikari. Some like advantages that certain characters have for being a certain type of combat. Like yeah. I think Balthier, although his character in 
story <clears throat> seems to be one who would wield a gun. I think he's got the slowest animation for attacking. So in that sense, he's not very good to have yeah. as a gunner. I heard that for Fran as well. So Fran is, she looks like she should be using bows, but she has the slowest animation for bows. <laughs> yeah, it's really odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you were a Final Fantasy twelve class in real life, which one would you pick for yourself? Oh, man. That's, that's difficult to say. I mean, I love a bit of time, time magic. Um, yeah. so, so maybe I'd go for Time Mage and um, like Bushi, perhaps. Okay. I'd be a monk because you? they specialize in poles. <laughs> <laughs> Just rolled my eyes. <laughs> um, but no, I'll do, I'll do monk and black mage because once you actually get the decent black mage spells towards the very, very end of the game, they become useful. Oh, oh, one last thing. One last thing. Okay. Fuck, marry, kill the ladies of Final Fantasy Twelve. I think I would... No, I think I would kill Fran. Can's very uh, boring and... Okay. Oh, and also, just disclaimer, um, in this situation, Pinello is not 17. She is... Of legal uh, age. Yeah, of legal age. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't even ending... know the ages of any of the goddamn characters in this. Apparently, I think Balthier was supposed to be 22, which is yeah, nonsense. He's like 23 the or something. in all these games is stupid. <laughs> um, Van and Pinello are 17, but at the end of the game, it's one year later. So let's just say it's the end of the game and she is 18 now. Okay, or it's like Revenant Wings time. Yeah. Um, whatever. Uh, <laughs> tough one. I think I would stick with the killing Fran. Okay. I um I don't particularly like her character. You do not like the mist? There's more to life than mist, Fran. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to look through the mist and see what else life has to offer. <laughs> would you say she's a bit misty-eyed? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... Uh, better than pink eye i guess yeah <laughs> um i think i would it's a really tough decision this man i haven't thought about this before i definitely have i think i'd um i think i'd fuck Pinello and marry ash no okay. i changed my mind i do the other end but no i haven't i changed my mind i definitely i stick to my original choice okay because if you marry ash marry then ash. you're like king <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah all right cool my turn? <laughs> Go for it, yeah. All right. Um, I would... Oh, I actually thought about this and now I've forgotten what I was going to do. I think I would kill Balthier because mm-hmm. he's got too many piercings and I don't like piercings. <laughs> and he has to be the leading man, which is a, obviously a huge turnoff. Yeah, um, I've, my ego is too big to deal with him. Yeah. So I would fuck Vaughn. Um, because he's too immature for a relationship, and I would marry Bash because he is like close enough to my age. He's like thirty three or thirty two or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we could have and a successful relationship. <laughs> and he's got all those sexy scars that everyone loves. Oh yeah, love a love a scar. And he's also like the only real adult. So um, it's true. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> all right, let's wrap it yeah. up. <laughs> Let, let's let's okay. please. So, I mean, I, I would definitely recommend this game. I'm getting the sense that you probably wouldn't. <laughs> um, I would recommend you play Xenoblade Chronicles instead. But okay. if, if you want to go into Final Fantasy XII, go into it realizing that it's not anything like the previous game. So if you have a bias like I do, you probably there's a, there's a chance you might not enjoy it as much. 
Um, but if you th- pretend that it's not part of the Final Fantasy series, there is an enjoyable game here. Yeah, and if you played the original on PS2, um, this is a pretty good remaster overall. There's some good features added. So um, in that respect, it's worth it's worth the upgrade. Yeah, Zodiac Age is definitely worth it um, if you want to stroll down memory lane again. We should mention what our next game is. Um, I think it's A Way Out. Am I right? Yes, it is A Way Out. Nice. So hopefully we're going to both work through that at some point this week. Yes. Um, it would be kind of interesting to play it like a few times, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, apparently it's only six hours long and it has online co-op, right? So maybe we can stream it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. So, so we'll... look out for that. Although you won't hear this <laughs> in time. Yeah, I mean, if you go to our Twitch uh, Good Bad Backlog, you should still be able to watch the previously recorded episodes, so you can just do that. Well, I think that's everything. Or should we do our socials? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so on Twitter, you can follow us at uh, Bad Backlog. Yep. On Twitch, you can follow us at Good Bad Backlog. Yep. Uh, on YouTube, just have a look for the good the bad and the backlog not much yep. on there at the moment but hopefully we'll gradually put stuff on ah, we've also got um a merch thing uh spreadsheet you can just search on there for the good bad the bad and the backlog hopefully our store will come up yep um anything else we've got instagram at good bad backlog oh yeah and of course whatever podcast thing you're listening on it'd be nice if you could rate or review that'd be lovely jubbly thank you particularly thank you. the five stars we'll, we'll take four but you know Five is better. Yeah. I did see someone <laughs> gave us three. I was like, oh. Bastards. Oh, well, we'll <laughs> just have care. to do better, I guess. It's probably one of your enemies. It's probably that person who, who hates Final Fantasy X too. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it probably is. <laughs> you <laughs> dick. to get you. <laughs> oh, and you could also email us um, at goodbadbacklog at gmail.com for any inquiries, questions, or thoughts on our podcasts. Heck yeah. Cool. Let's thank our sponsors. I would like to thank OnlyFans for providing me a source of income while COVID is happening at the moment. So please also subscribe to my OnlyFans. It is $999 a month to see pictures of me in my underwear. Nice. Okay. And I would like to, uh, I would like to thank um, Tinder for sponsoring me and giving me that free premium membership so I can see how many people have liked me and I can see uh, no one. So it's real sad, <laughs> sad times. You'll get there one day. (laughs) 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 All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.